Good morning, and uh, as a church, we've been going through the book of Esther, and it's a really good book, but coming towards the end of the book, and it's a good book because it tells us about a real account that happened way back in the days of the Medes and the Persians. Now, if you want to check the history books, you can do that because you have the Babylonians, then you have the Medes and the Persians, and then what comes next? Well, the, the Greeks came next, the Greek Empire, and what came after that? The Roman Empire, okay? Now, this isn't a history lesson, but it is his story lesson. Because we're told in the Bible that the whole part of the scripture, the whole part of the Bible, is there for you and I. And it's there for a purpose. It's there for, yes, enlighten us about things. It's there to tell us the story of creation, of how God brought salvation through the Messiah Jesus, and how that salvation came through a lot of problems because there was great opposition to it. And this book of Esther is only a small book. Now, ladies, you mentioned in the Bible, you mentioned in a lot of places. You've even got a book, book of Esther, and you've got the book of Ruth. And the book of Esther is not very long, but sometimes it can be a bit complicated. And we need to think about it. And we've been going through it each Sunday morning. And we're up to this chapter that Matthew read, chapter 9. Now let me just give you a little bit of what we've learned in the book of Esther. And if you get the opportunity, read it. And if you haven't got a Bible, come and tell us, and we'll give you one. And you'll go home and read the book of Esther. And it's a really interesting um, account. So far, the fear and the threat of annihilation has been hanging over the Jewish people for almost a year. Now, you might say, why is this? Well, we've seen that it's because of a law that was written by a man named Haman. And this law was signed off by King Xerxes. And once a Persian law was signed off, you couldn't change it. It couldn't be changed. There was no way around it. Esther, the queen, and her relative Mordecai, remember they started with humble beginnings, but they trusted God. And we can sort of follow through their lives up to this point. And both of them are Jewish. But not everybody knows that. They know that Mordecai is, but they don't know that Queen Esther is. What's happened is the Lord has brought them to the point where they will both be saved from this law that's been passed. But their people, their people won't. And they're standing in jeopardy. Haman, oh, we've been looking at him. He's the, this evil, manipulative, self-seeking man, and he's been exposed for who he is. And we found out last week that he'd been hung on his own gallows that he built to execute Mordecai. Don't worry if you don't understand all this. Just read the book and you'll catch up with what's been happening. But this morning, we're going to view the words that Matthew read to us. And we're going to view them just momentarily in their context. How, when, and why they were written. Well, it was in the historical setting of Persia. 
The Jews, God's people, they've been living as captives in Babylon. Now the Persian Empire had taken over and taken over all that land, and they had a degree of freedom. But again, they were facing annihilation. God is in the process of delivering his people. Now, why is he doing that? Way back, he's doing it in order to protect the line of the Messiah, the one who would come, the promised one. And it would not only be just for the Jewish people, but it would be for the whole world. That includes you and I. So that's where it's relative to us because it's part of what did I say before? I said history, but I really meant his story. That is a part of God's story. You know, the world today is still in great opposition to the one who is the Messiah, just like they were in the days of Esther. They're in opposition to the one who is the Messiah. Now, both Esther and Mordecai, as we've been looking, have uh, continued to show their faith in the Lord as they maintained their dignity. And they're going to maintain that dignity now as they administer justice. Now, the passage that we read, that Matthew read for us, it might be a passage that disturbs you. These are words of conflict. They are words of terror. And they are words of death. Are you shocked about that? Do you find this in the Bible? Well, let me tell you this. You should be shocked about it. Because they are realities of life. But let me tell you this. You've no need to be disturbed. There's a verse in Matthew, in Matthew's Gospel, and these are the words of Jesus, and this is what he said. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars would see to it that you're not alone. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Now we're going to look at that in a few moments, just very briefly. But you know, the truth is, we have such things as wars. We know that wars are not pleasant. But sadly, we know that at times they're necessary. Yeah, hold with that. We don't celebrate war. We don't like war. We don't want war. But at times there are wars. Little bit about that. I don't know if my maths are correct. But I think that Pat would have been about six years old at the beginning of the Second World War. The war that was supposed to end all wars. And she would have been 12 when the, the war finished. Those early years when the war world was at war. Both my grandparents and my parents Give me a little very right. 
They went through a world war. I, I can remember as a child hearing the stories about what had happened. You know, and there was days of rationing. Yeah, <clears throat> you couldn't just go and buy as much as you wanted. You had to have a, a ration group with little tickets, and you could only get so much. I had um, two brothers and a dad, and they, they were all took sugar in our tea. And when we put sugar in our tea, we had three, four, and five teaspoons full, and you couldn't get sugar. <laughs> so that's what it was like. You know, we feel as though now we've come a long way, and we feel as though we're educated and we're better. And because we feel like that, the military have what they call articles of engagement. In 1949, after that war, the Geneva Convention was inaugurated, and that was to control how people fought each other. Regulations. Regulations that are burnt, but sadly, are not always applied. Today, there's an awful war going on in Ukraine, and we know it, and we know the reality of it, and it's happening in our day. This morning, I want us to consider these things that we've read in the book of Esther that might have disturbed us because they're speaking about conflict, and they're speaking about death. And I want us to look at them on three points. One, the reason for conflict. Why do we have conflict? Why can't we all live together? Two, the reaction of those who are involved in conflict. And three, the results of conflict. Now, if you've got your Bibles and you've still got them open at the book of Esther and chapter 9, the part that we read, you can follow through if you want as we mention these things. First of all, the reason for conflict and the reason was two things. Defense against aggression. That's why we have wars. We have aggression and we need defense. These are realities of life. This man, Haman, in the book of Esther, his plan was to destroy and kill and annihilate all the Jewish people, young and old, women and children, and then to be given the freedom of the law to go and plunder their goods. Way back, way back then, the time of the Persian Empire. And all this was to happen in a single day that had been dedicated, where the people could do this because the laws allowed it. The 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar. What about the defense against this aggression? This was to the Jews, listen to this, in every city, they now have the right, they didn't have it before, but because of this second law, because you couldn't do away with the law, but they counteracted it with this law. 
And this law meant that they could protect themselves, destroy, kill, annihilate, really, the armed men of any nation or province who might attack them, and they remit their children to plunder the property of the enemies. And the day appointed was the same day as the first war. That's where the conflict now comes in. How would both sides apply these laws? Okay. The reaction of the aggressor, the aggressor was to destroy, kill, and annihilate the Jews, young and old, women and children, and plunder their goods. Now they had a 12 month period to prepare for this day, and they'd been preparing for it. And they were determined to carry this out. They were determined to overpower and destroy the Jewish people to kill the women and the children and take all their possessions. It was Haman's law that would allow this to take place, leaving the descendants of Abraham who had no hope of being able to defend themselves. The result would have been annihilation. That is something. Now we've been following the story through. And we find that the prayers of Esther and Mordecai were answered by God. And God had taken them from that lowly position and put them into a higher position where they were able to pass another law. A law that would counter the law that had already been passed by him. This is where I want you to think about what we've read. You know, we can go through the Bible, we can skip through it, we can just pass over these passages and say, that was terrible, that wasn't it? Wasn't that terrible, all that killing? Why was all that happening? Why was that going on? Well, I want us to think about it. Because these are true realities of life that we very often have to deal with. We're dealing with it right now in the world that's going on in other parts of the world. It's a reality of life. We're not here to have a historical or a political discussion. We're here to look at the book of Esther, to see what really happened in those days, to see why they happened, and see what the ultimate result was of them happening, and how it affects you and I in our day. So the reaction, from the defenders was, okay, we know this, to protect themselves, to destroy, kill, and annihilate the armed men. Get that. That's who they were to go after. The armed men of any nationality or province who might attack them and their women and their children and plunder their property. The property of their enemy. So, stop for a moment. They were to protect themselves from the armed men who hated them. They had the authority of the law to kill women and children. We know as we read through this passage, we read that they killed only the men who came against them. Get that? Do you see what's happening in this passage? They had a law to do more than that, but what they did was what they needed to do to protect themselves deal with the armed men who came against them. 
They had the authority to plunder the property of the enemy. That's what they could have done, that's what the law said they could do. But we read, I think it's three times, through the book of Esther, specific reference to the fact that they did not plunder the enemy's property. You're starting to get this now. You're starting to see what's happening. They only killed the armed men who came against them. And they did not take any of the enemy's property. What I want you to notice is that their reaction, and this is important, it's about resistance, not revenge. Keep that in mind. It's about resistance and not revenge. That happens in every part of our lives. And as a Christian, how do you deal with these things? You know, if your hurt, if your things are done against you, is it revenge you want? I'll get them. No. Or is it just resistance? No. I'll defend you all. And I'll turn you in cheek when possible. But there'll be times when you can't turn that in cheek. And that's what these people have to do. Sometimes this is what you will have to do. How will you do it? Remember, it's resistance, not revenge. The third point, the result was that the Jewish people had the victory over their enemy. Okay? They had the victory over their enemy. What's our enemy? Stop thinking about it for a bit. Your first reaction is that, does it? Well, maybe we'll find out. On the 13th, 13th, 12th month, the Jews went out. So what happened when this all happened? They killed and destroyed 500 men. They killed the sons of Haman in the city of Susa. They were the ones who were against them. They were the ones who were going to hang Mordecai. They were the ones who built that gallows. 75,000 men in the rest of Persia as they defended themselves against their oppressors. That sounds like a big number, but this is a big land that this is happening in. You have to put it into perspective. The vast empire of Persia stretched from India to Africa. That was the land that they possessed and in that land there were pockets of Jewish people who were all going to be annihilated. And on that day those people who wanted to annihilate them came against them but they had the opportunity to defend themselves and God gave them the victory on this occasion. These are big numbers, but when you look at the vast amount of area that this covers, this wasn't about revenge. You know, I want us to think about us now as well. About the reality. We live in the same world as Esther lived in. There was conflict between the world and the coming of the Messiah, the promised one, who is Jesus. That is the truth. We live in that same world that still is in opposition to Jesus and the gospel. You tell me it isn't. And I'll tell you, look what's happening even in this country. What direction are we going in? And again, I'm not being political. I just want you to look at the facts, you know. That's what John in Revelation tells us to do. 
look and see what's happening. And what's happening is what Jesus said would happen. I want us to return to Matthew's Gospel and I want us to just put the verse that I quoted before into a little bit of context. You see, this verse that we looked at in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus spoke these words when he was preparing them. Preparing them for the fact that he was about to go to the cross. He wasn't going to be with them much longer. And what he was saying to them is, look, I'm not giving you a pair of rose-colored glasses. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to leave you. And you know, when you see me leave the first time, you will be horrified. They didn't realize they was going to be hung on a cross and laid in a tomb. But then he rose again. And he brought with him the victory over sin and death and Satan and hell. Matthew 24. Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. Here's those words we looked at before. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Then he went on and said, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdoms against kingdoms, and there will be families, uh, famines and earthquakes in various parts. As we're sort of coming through this passage, what I'd like you to do with me now, I want you to walk with me through those few words of Jesus. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see too that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Okay. Got the walking boots on. Ready to walk through those few words. Why did Jesus tell his disciples they will hear of wars and rumors of wars? Why did he tell them that? You got the answer? The answer is very simple. Because it's the truth. That's why you see Look, lads, I'm going to go away and you're going to be confused, but I'm going to come back and we will have the victory. But in the meantime, I'm not giving you, as I said before, a pair of rose colored glasses and I'm going to the world wearing them. I'm going to give you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth. There will be wars and there will be rumors on the wars. And that's the truth. I can imagine the disciples there. We're looking at each other and saying, what's he on about? I thought this is the Messiah. Well, oh, I don't think we will, will we? <laughs> well, they found out that Jesus was telling the truth. It's no good pretending that bad things don't happen. It's no good pretending it's no good me pretending that I never do any bad things. 
because I do. And you might say, well, you're the pastor. Yeah, <laughs> what difference does that make? I'm just like you, and you're just like me. And I'm not wearing rose-colored glasses, I'm wearing these that you can't see very well without me. I want to see well, and I want to know the truth. But Jesus then said, but see that you're not alarmed. Why would he say that? There's going to be wars, but don't be alarmed. Why did he say that? Because he wants us to know the truth. And when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. And the truth will remove the pain. That's why he said, don't be alarmed. Why did he say such things must happen? Why did he say they must happen? Maybe they were thinking, well, well, can't you do anything about it? We're always trying to do something about it so we don't have knowledge and know it's fair. That's why, just like in the days of Esther, we still have conflict. This is why he said such things must happen. He told another truth. Because man's heart is deceitful and wicked. You tell me you've never been deceitful. You tell me that you've never had that wicked street. And I'll say, well, you're from another planet, mate. We're all the same. And you know who said that? That man's heart is deceitful? It was God through the words of the prophet Jeremiah back in the Old Testament. Another truth. The truth is, we're all guilty in the eyes of God. And when you know the truth, you can know the way for the fear of the future to be removed. Yeah. When you know the truth, you can know the way for the fear that we have of the future to be removed. And I'm not talking about just about the future of this life. I'm talking about the future of eternal life because that's what God is talking about in His Word and in the rest of it. These are lessons that we can draw from it. And you probably know already what verse I'm going to quote next. It's something that Jesus said. Again, when He was asked the question of His disciples, and He said this I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Get that? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. When we know Jesus, and when you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you know the Father. And when you know the Father through what Jesus did when he died on the cross, and when you know him as your Lord and Savior, you then know your hope is in the end that Jesus said is still to come. 
offer Buddha a toll of eternal life through the power of the cross. And that's why John in his gospel gives us again the words of Jesus. And you'll know this verse as well. He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I will give you. Peace. What peace? Is this world in peace? No. But Jesus wasn't talking about that. He wasn't saying, I'm going to make your life so that there's no trouble, there's no war, there's no pain, there's no problems. What he's saying is, he's going to give us peace of mind and the knowledge that we know that whatever happens in this life, we have that security within in glory. That's his peace. So let's finish off that little bit that Jesus said that John records for us, and I stopped it halfway through. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. I might be scared of the fact that I'm getting older. I know that my lips have already gone. I might be scared of what will happen if maybe I have to go into the hospital and then another one gone. I might be scared about a lot of things. I might be scared of the people who wait in the Ukraine. This is life. This is the truth of life. One thing I'm not afraid of. I'm not afraid of dying. Why? Well, I don't want to. Because I don't want to leave or feel like you die. And I feel, you know, there's things I want to do. But I know that my future is secure. I can rest in that peace that only Jesus can give. My final question is, and if you want to talk about it later, this is the question. Where will you spend eternity? Now that's relative to us, isn't it? And we can be thankful to God's Word, the Book of Esther, the things that Esther and Mordecai went through, the things that the disciples went through, that all those people went through to bring us God's Word. We can gather around this morning. And this. And if you know Jesus as your Savior, then you know that peace that we need in Father, we just thank you for this time that we've been able to spend around your way. We just pray for Pat and we thank you for her. We thank you for the, the joy she has been to us down the years. We thank you for that gift you gave her to be able to sing. And when she went around the city and, and other places and sang the words of the gospel, and many heard those words, we thank you for them. We thank you for what she's meant to us here as she's encouraged us down the years in the work of the Sunday school. 
my group of children. Now, Father, we just ask for your continued blessing upon them. Pray that we'll have a, a great time of friendship and fellowship now as we gather together. But Father, we also thank you for the fact that you are here with us and that you speak to us through your word. And that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you can open our hearts to the truth. The truth that will set us free. And the truth that will bring us peace. The peace that will be everything. And we ask this in his precious name.